Welcome to Sportsish, the podcast, a place to make sports fun, cute, and easy. A place to bring the sports and the ish. This is not your boyfriend's sports news, it's sports for the girlies. You made it to the long weekend. Has this not felt like the longest week in the history of the world? Between the Super Bowl on Sunday and then Valentine's Day, Wednesday, I've been eaten a lot. I've not been sleeping at all. It's like peak unideal weather. And this is also around the time when you realize that you have like so much longer left in winter. I think this is why people go out of town for President's Day weekend. And unfortunately, I am not doing that. I am here. I am here and I am ready to bring you the Sportsish podcast. And I have a really, really good episode for you. I have easily the biggest interview I have ever had on the podcast, Morgan Riddle. Tennis wag. And I say wag with such confidence because Morgan talked about how she really embraces the term. And I really appreciate it as she was truly the first of her kind in the tennis world, in the influencing world. And she's strong, capable, bright, a total badass in every sense of the word. And I was so lucky to have had a chat with her. So you get to hear her interview and It's so good. It's as good as you could have imagined. We'll get to that. Before we go any further, it almost feels disrespectful or inappropriate in a way not to acknowledge what happened on Wednesday. This is a sports podcast after all, and the tragic event that took place was at a sports celebration. So we all know what happened. A shooting took place at the Super Bowl parade. As it was winding down in Kansas City, 22 people were injured. One woman, Lisa Lopez Galvin, who was a mother of two, was killed. I'm absolutely heartbroken over it. But what is there even left to say at this point? This feels like a reoccurring nightmare. We see the news of these mass shootings we feel upset we feel anxious we feel helpless we feel scared to go in public at least i do and then time passes and it's hard to keep track of the shootings this was like the 50th this year and then all of a sudden another one happens and it's the same cycle and it's been this way for years and years particularly for me from the first mass shooting i remember where social media was really prevalent that was sandy hook elementary in 2012 and i feel like ever since 2012 so 12 years we've been on this exact same cycle something like this happens we feel upset appalled angry and then it happens again and this particular shooting we covered on our social pages because it related to sports the caption we put said something along the lines of you know america needs change And I had a few comments that were really bothered by this sentiment that there was change needed. And it's so beyond me how somebody can see innocent lives taken and not think that something has to change, that everything is perfect, that nothing should be altered. It feels honestly so heartless. And I echo exactly what we said in the caption. Change needs to happen. It's needed to happen for a long time. And I feel heartbroken by all of it. Woof, what a horrendous way to start an episode. But 
it was a horrendous thing that happened. I will say a beautiful story that did come out of the situation was the story of the Chiefs player, Trey Smith. He helped bystanders get to safety inside some sort of a closet in the train station where the shooting happened. He particularly helped one little boy who he said was really obviously shaken up and nervous, and he gave him the WWE belt that he had carried around the parade. In the interview, he said that he told the little boy, nobody's going to hurt you. And this picture is so sweet in my head to think of this chaotic and terrifying situation for a little boy, just straight terrified. And then you look up to see this massive lineman for the football team that you cheer for. I looked him up. He's 322 pounds. He's massive. And he's telling you, don't worry. Nobody's going to hurt you. Come over here with me. That little boy probably did feel so safe in that moment after feeling so unsafe in the moments before. So in the midst of this tragedy, that was one story to come out of the situation that, you know, gave a little faith into humanity. Okay, so we did, we had to jump to the parade, but the parade obviously came after the Super Bowl, the Swifty Bowl, the Usher concert, whatever it is that was your highlight you watched. I'm sure you did because 123.4 million people watched this game, which makes it the most viewed television event in history. My personal highlights of the game include, okay, Post Malone singing America the Beautiful, flawless. Jason Kelsey's overalls, flawless. Usher on roller skates, flawless and so impressive. I am absolutely horrendous at roller skating. So anytime I see anyone thriving on them, I'm really impressed, particularly dancing on them and singing. I mean, the guy did not look a day over 30. He's 45. I thought he did such an electric halftime show. Honestly, that word electric, why is it in my vocabulary? I blame Travis Kelsey because he uses it every other word. I need to stop. Blake Lively's tracksuit and hair and everything about her was flawless. Obviously, I loved that Taylor was there. She looked gorgeous. This was her 13th game. There was so much hype around her and her presence at NFL games and the Taylor Swift effect, as everyone called it, ahead of the game. And of course, it it all delivered. I will say, I will say this. A few months ago, prior to Travis and Taylor's relationship, I had mentioned that he gives me the ick. And to be honest, I buried that opinion away because of my love for Taylor Swift. (laughs) And honestly, I just, I had hoped that no one was going to go back and listen to those episodes because there was a lot of cute things happening with their relationship. I started to kind of love him and he was so kind and affirmative to Taylor and I just wanted her to be happy. So I kind of loved him, but the minute that man started singing Viva Las Vegas after the game was the minute I returned, the ick returned, and it has unfortunately stayed. They also did show Taylor while he was in fact yelling Viva Las Vegas into the microphone, and honestly it felt like she also may have gotten the ick for just a second, just a second. The kiss afterwards did prove that the ick didn't really stay that long. And I also just want to normalize getting the ick for people we love. 
I think it's healthy and I think it's normal. And I think anyone, if they're being totally honest with you, would say it happens. And Taylor absolutely got it for Travis Kelsey while he was singing Viva Las Vegas. There was also the situation with Travis and coach Andy Reid, which honestly, those defending him and saying that anyone complaining about it clearly doesn't know sports. No, 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 no. We are not going to do that. You can still know sports. You can still love sports and know that Travis Kelsey crossed a line, even if you've seen other athletes who have done it, okay? Jason, his brother, who is my MVP of life personally, said that Travis crossed a line. Listen, people make mistakes. He's apologized. It's okay. It's okay. But it's also okay to acknowledge that a mistake was in fact made. And also, to me, Andy Reid seems like a jolly soul who eats a lot of cheeseburgers. And I just feel protective over him, in fact. So another ick point for Travis Kelsey, after the Super Bowl and after the Super Bowl parade, unfortunately, (laughs) where he was drunk out of his mind, the ick is prevalent in my mind for Travis. I'm sorry if that offends people. Last note about the Super Bowl is that I loved Brittany Mahomes' outfit very much. The end. We're done. So this week was Valentine's Day week, and I love a theme. We know this. Your girl thrives on a theme. But honestly, (laughs) it's winter. My kids have had the stomach flu this week, and I am a little grumpy. I'm going to be honest. I'm grumpy this week. My very favorite podcaster in the world is no secret. It's Maddie Murphy from The Bad Broadcast. If you have not listened to The Bad Broadcast, what are you doing? Okay, anyways, we love her. We've had her on our show. And she has previously done a segment in her podcast episodes called Love Hate, where she brings up three things she loves, three things she hates. And I always love it. It's always so well done. Maddie could talk about trash cans and I would listen. But I wanted to kind of bring that segment to the Sportsish podcast because, you know, Valentine's equals love. But if I was being true to myself this week, I don't just want to talk about things we love. Let's talk about things we hate too. So I asked you all what you are loving about sports and what you are hating about sports. And my girls, you got a lot to hate. I'm going to be honest, more than you do to love. You had more hate than you did to love. This feels relatable to me in a lot of ways right now, currently. But let's start with the loves. What you guys are loving in sports right now. These are direct quotes, by the way. So general theme in the love is all the female women empowerment in sports. You guys are loving it. I'm going to quote everything you said about it. You love women actually talking about sports without caring what men say. Yes. The increase in women's inclusion has helped me grow my relationships in a new way. I love this because you said relationships, right? A lot of times you hear women say like, oh, I learned more about sports and I can connect more with my boyfriend or my husband more. But no, learning and loving sports can help you connect in your relationships with, of course, a partner, but a friend or a parent. We see the dads and the little girls with the Taylor Swift things. So freaking cute your friendships if you have friends who love sports or want to know about sports okay next women's basketball getting its due i love going to restaurants and seeing it on tv another person said greater recognition in women's basketball speaking of women's basketball caitlin the goat clark 
she has broken the NCAA Division I women's scoring record. Tonight, while I'm recording this episode, in fact, she did. 3,528 points total means she surpassed Kelsey Plum's previous scoring record. And also kind of a fun thing is that there's actually only two men who have scored more points than Kelsey and Caitlin. And she's not that far away from breaking their record. So it's possible that she could become the highest scorer in NCAA basketball history. Wild. Okay, this one. You're loving that girls have killed it in sports for decades. I'm so grateful the world is finally noticing. So true. Another thing to love, following the build of the Casey Current Stadium, the first women built by women's, first women's built by women's stadium for women. You know who has something to do with that? Brittany Mahomes. The Casey Current is obviously Kansas City's female soccer team. Love the PWHL. Yep. Yeah, we love it. We love it. We love that women have a full-blown professional league to play hockey in now. We love, you said, how cool it is to see more women learn about sports and enjoy them. More of this energy, please. More of this excitement around people learning something new and benefiting from it. Less gatekeeping. You love Jenny Kavnar of the A's being the first female primary play-by-play voice in MLB history. Iconic. Incredible. I didn't even know this. Females doing play-by-play is something that has been such a no-no for such a long time, but is finally changing. Doris Burke is dabbling in some play-by-play. This woman, Jenny Kavnar, is now the first play-by-play in MLB history. It's so important. You love men who aren't gatekeeping and instead embracing quality time with loved ones, aka we're referring to the cuteness that is the dads and the daughters in the Taylor Swift situation. It is so endearing and sweet and the way that they're not gatekeeping and embracing quality time with loved ones. That's a perfect way to put it. The New Heights podcast you're loving because of course... So I said The Bad Broadcast was my favorite podcast, which it is, but second is The New Heights Podcast. Those are the two that I am a religious weekly listener to. Not even my own. I listen to as much as I listen to those two. New Heights is so well done. The Kelsey brothers deserve major props for having the idea to record a podcast together during season and giving this perspective of the players. All right. Many of you said that you loved Travis and Taylor. I mean, it's a given. Of course, we love them. Even if we get the ick from Travis occasionally. People are loving that baseball is starting. I'm going to be totally honest. I do need some help when it comes to baseball. Because I try to focus on all sports across all leagues. But with baseball, there are so many games. And the pop culture aspect is not as relevant within baseball. So how does one get into baseball? Shoot me a DM and tell me why you like baseball because I want to get into it for reasons other than Shohei Otani, who I love. This person said that they love, quote, how breakaway roping is growing in a rodeo. I have so many questions about this this submission. You love that breakaway roping is growing in rodeo. I I have so many questions. Um, 
is the sport roping or rodeo. I I need to do some research, but could you just DM me more about this breakaway roping growing in rodeo and and why I should be excited? I can't wait to learn more about that. A love how much Brock Purdy loves Jesus. In fact, he does love Jesus a lot and in all of his celebrations and Instagram posts, he in fact does thank Jesus. Guys, I'm so sad for Rock Purdy. I think it's worth noting that I kind of wanted the Niners to win just so I could make a post about how Mr. Irrelevant is the most relevant. And he just looked so sad, kind of slumping his way off the field after the game. I feel for Brock Purdy, man. Not to say he won't ever be here again. He's so young in his career. I'm sure he will be. I don't know. Like, I just, my heart kind of broke for Brock Purdy. I don't know if it was like the mom in me because I have a son and he kind of looks like he could be a child or just I love the underdog, but something about it like broke my heart when Brock Purdy lost the game and the 49ers lost the game. This person said that they love that fans are being courageous enough to tackle a shooter. This is so true. One of the alleged shooters on Wednesday was tackled by a bystander, by a fan, as he was trying to run from police. And this fan continued to hold him down with with another bystander. And it shouldn't have to be this way, right? It shouldn't have to be that we have sports fans worrying about tackling a shooter, but that is the reality. And it's incredible that the sports fans stepped in. Another love, anticipation for the Olympics. When I tell you that I am screaming inside that the Olympics are coming up so soon, I love the Summer Olympics. Last Summer Olympics were Tokyo. Feels like ages ago. And honestly, thank goodness it is ages ago. It was a dark, weird time. Someone said they love Kristen Yizik. If it sounds like I'm pronouncing her name differently every time I talk about her, I probably am because I still don't actually fully know how to pronounce. But Kristen Yizik and Kyle are so easy to love. They just seem like the nicest, most down-to-earth people. So one of you really loved her and her designs. Okay, let's move on to hate. What you are hating right now. First one, out of the bat. First submission within four seconds of me putting this up. Taylor Swift. I have no words. Claire, are you a Niners fan? This person says when asked what they hate, they say men. This does feel like a complicated thing to hate because whether you're married to one or in the workplace with some, you probably will encounter men in your life. This says the judgment, let people live and love and damn it, there's other things in the world. Amen, sister. Damn it, there's other things in the world. Let people live and love. Let them fall in love with football if they want to or if they don't want to. Let them fall in love with something else. Just let people live and love. That's such a great quote. This one says, I hate that everyone thinks they're staged. Next, rivalries that extend beyond being fun. This is true. Why do we do this, my friends? This sentence makes me think of like the fathers of the teenage high school field hockey players. I have a million different streaming services to watch women's sports. This is true and valid when it comes to a hate. Tonight's game where Caitlin Clark broke the record was on Peacock. What? It's a no. I don't have Peacock. I think I used to when The Office was on there, but it's not even on there anymore. We just need one network with all of them on it. This person hates the dads, brads, 
and chads. This was submitted quite a few times. In the same vein, all the insecure baby child men throwing a tantrum about women in football, yes. Those baby child men hate conspiracy theories. I relate with that. It's too much. This person says, I hate that Swifties won't be as into baseball like they were into football. Trading bracelets at games would be so fun. You make a fair point, and this is my request to the Swifties of the world to start embracing the sport of baseball. This person says, the cover-up of sexual assaults. Yes, I've talked about this time and time again. Sports are notorious for covering up old cases that should prevent people from having jobs. The way we as a country will jump through many hoops to protect the reputation of an athlete, even though they have done something gravely wrong, is sad. This person said, too much Kelsey, Travis Kelsey. I hear what you're saying. This one said, waste management, disgracing golf. So this is actually a great way to learn. So for those of you who don't know, waste management is the nickname for this tournament in Phoenix. And for some reason, fans decided to make it their like spring break this year. And multiple of them showed up completely drunk. Many of them blacked out. It very much felt like a frat party. All the professional golfers were getting frustrated because every time they would try and swing, they had hecklers who were drunk and wasted. And this person said double standards. Female athletes would be torn apart for behaving like Travis. This is true. This is the truth right here. Could you imagine the absolute firestorm that would come for Megan Rapino? Say she grabbed a microphone and started singing Viva Las Vegas with no pitch. It would be bad. So no more double standards. NBA All-Star Weekend, you said bothered you. You said you hated. It gives you so much cringe. There are definitely cringy parts of All-Star Weekend. Another thing you guys hate was how much they get paid. This was brought up over and over and over and over again. And it's true. How much they get paid versus their contributions to society. Yes. Retweet. I can't actually think about how much they get paid because I start to get really sick to my stomach. But I will say don't count them out for the contributions to society. Many of them are really, really good people doing a lot of good things for the betterment of society. This person said, Draymond Green and the media outlets acting like his behavior is not a problem. It's a problem. We are a media outlet. We think this is a problem. He just seems angry. Like every little thing sets him off. I know some people find the NBA more exciting now with Draymond doing his thing, but it's just... It's so cringy to me. This person said that they hate that no one around them likes the NFL. They're in Australia. Honestly, would you like to trade places? Home swap, holiday style. I will be Cameron Diaz. You be Kate Winslet. Anyways, that is what you love and what you hate right now in the sports world. There's a lot. My favorite is that so many of you said you loved Travis and Taylor. So many of you said you hated Travis and Taylor. Some of you said that you loved having access to athletes via social media and learning more about them. Some of you said that you hated non-sports related content, AKA Taylor Swift. I'm so shocked this person still follows us if they don't like non-sports related content, AKA Taylor Swift. Anyone who's like a sports purist here for, here for just the highlights, nitty gritty stats, 
are probably not the people to follow. Heading into our incredible interview with Morgan Riddle. Morgan is an influencer who is also the girlfriend, the wag, of Taylor Fritz. Taylor's a pro tennis player. He's been ranked number five by the ATP before. He won the Indian Wells Masters Tournament in 2022. He's really talented, but behind him is his a really, really strong woman named Morgan. The two met on Raya, classic dating app, classic 2020 dating app, and started dating, and she started traveling with Taylor. The thing about tennis, which Morgan will explain, is there is so much travel. So she started traveling and realized that she could not keep up this corporate job while doing all of this crazy travel that tennis brings. So she started kind of producing and releasing social media content related to tennis, basically get ready with me type videos. She also, similar to what we do, tried to explain the rules to people who didn't know about tennis. And she didn't grow up watching tennis. She didn't grow up as a tennis fan. She says this, but she really capitalized on her platform as Taylor's girlfriend. And now she's in Breakpoint, which is of course the Netflix show about tennis. She did this incredible segment called Wimbledon Threads at the Wimbledon tournament this past summer. She's huge. She just went to the Super Bowl to represent four different brands. So when Morgan Riddle followed Sportsish on Instagram, I about died. I felt so thrilled. So I shot my shot in her DMs. I told you guys I've been doing this. I've been shooting my shot in people's DMs to see if they want to come on the pod. And she was so gracious and accepted. And I got to talk to her this morning about about not just life as the girlfriend of a tennis player, although we talked a lot about it, but the way she handles being a woman in the sports industry in the sports world is particularly the tennis world how she carved out this place for influencers in the tennis world and and also we talked a lot about the super bowl because she had some experiences at the super bowl that were so disheartening and if you're a woman who's been to a sporting event you may have experienced something similar which should not normalize it at all so she told us about that experience anyways i just came away even more impressed than I was before with Morgan, which I already was incredibly impressed. You can tell she just works really hard at everything she does. So with that introduction, here is our interview with Morgan Riddle. But I want to start at the beginning, uh, kind of your history, and just tell us, introduce yourself, tell us where you're from, and kind of how you got into the influencing space. Yeah, for sure. Um, So I went to college in New York. I did a number of internships there and they were kind of all in the realm of like PR and marketing. I did like a fashion internship. So I definitely got introduced to it just from like kind of a different lens than how I'm doing it now. Um, Out of college, I worked for nonprofits mostly. And then when the pandemic hit, I moved to LA Um, and I was still working corporate. I met my current partner, Taylor, right now, a few months after I moved to LA. And then um, the tennis tour wasn't happening at the time, but it started again, I think that September. So a few months after we started dating and then I started traveling with him a little bit. Um, It was quite difficult to balance working corporate while also being jumping around so many different time zones. It was just quite stressful. Um, So I was like, I gotta figure out something different. I wasn't really sure 
what? And then I kind of fell into social media just from like one viral video, basically. Yeah. Well, tell us about that first viral video. And like, were you surprised? Was this, were you intimidated? I think anytime I have a video go viral, I'm like, whoa, this is, this is scary. This is a lot. Yeah. It was surprising for sure. Um, and I had actually almost deleted the video right after I filmed it because I was like, God, this is embarrassing. (laughs) Like, why did I do this? I was like, I don't want anyone on the tennis tour to see this. Like people are going to make fun of me. Um, cause the tennis tour is very small. Like people definitely saw that when I posted it. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I was just kind of like getting ready for, uh, Taylor's match at the Australian open and like get ready with me videos were kind of like, it was kind of like a new thing on TikTok at the time, like on the rise. And I was like, oh, this, this is kind of cute. And then I just filmed the, me picking out an outfit for the match. And then that went viral overnight. And then I just did another one. And I did another one. And yeah. It's amazing because, well, I think one of the reasons why people really flock to your page is we don't see a lot of tennis wives or girlfriends. Well, especially when you started, right? That was not anything that they were doing. I feel like we have access to a lot of NFL wives or NBA wives, but I feel like tennis is, I don't know, maybe more buttoned up. We, we haven't really seen that side of the wives, the girlfriends, the partners, even the behind the scenes until the Netflix show came out. Mm-hmm. So you, what, what prompted you to kind of start showing the behind the scenes as, as a tennis partner? Yeah. Um, I, it honestly was just like, I was just sharing my life and the life happened to be a little extreme. And then, um, you know, as Taylor's ranking grew, people just kind of, people are curious, you know, they're super nosy. So they're like, Oh, who's the the blonde girl sitting in Taylor's box. And then they'd Google me. And I think when they would like go to my Instagram page, they're like, oh, she posts stuff about tennis. You know, it was just kind of, it was very organic in that way. But yeah, when I, when I started posting about my life on the tour, just, it was just two years ago, there was no, no partners on tour who were showing any, any side of that. No girlfriends that were content creators, no wives who had done it in the past, really. Um, there was one wife who had like a blog a couple of years ago, but it was a little like pre social media age. Um, so yeah, it was, it was quite intimidating to do that just because I didn't want to be like judged by people on tour, but also I was just like, "Eh, whatever, (laughs) I'm just going to do it. Now there's God, I think maybe five or six girls on tour who make content about tennis life. Um, just cool. Yeah. You're the, OG. you are the OG. (laughs) It's fun to like, we all like make content together and stuff. And like, it's nice having a group of, of like younger girls on tour. Cause even when I first started traveling with Taylor, like I didn't really have friends on tour at all. There weren't a ton of like younger girlfriends my age. So it's been really nice. Well, and that's what's different about there's so many things that are different about tennis as opposed to like these team sports like football, basketball, because a lot of the wives and girlfriends have other players, wives and girlfriends on their team mm-hmm. that they are able to connect with. But tennis is such an individual sport. And I was talking to my husband this morning about like why what you do is so cool and important because it's just so different. Like when Taylor loses a match, like he loses, he, he is the one who lost. Whereas like when an NFL team loses their team lost and, you know, 
the fault doesn't only ride on them. So tell us about the tennis world and what you found to be different and exciting, but also I'm sure there are really hard things too. Yeah. Well, I think like just the most unique part about it compared to other sports is just like the travel aspect of it. Um, and you know, if you're dating like a, a, or married to a football player or something, you don't go to all the away games. Like your life isn't completely uprooted in the same way. Like if you, if you want to be with a tennis player and you really like want to have a strong relationship, like you are not home ever. Like you're living out of a suitcase basically. So I just, I think like that aspect is different. Also, like I'm, I'm really fascinated by fan culture. That's something that I've always kind of focused on in my content in a different way that I think other content creators who like are with partners don't really do. Like I love like the fan fashion um, and exploring kind of like how fans are different based on the places that we go because a tennis crowd in Acapulco, Mexico is so different than a tennis crowd in Tokyo, Japan. Um, And so I love, I love like talking about that and focusing on that. And I don't think you get that sort of like fan diversity in sports that don't travel unless it's F1 or, or golf. So that's a really cool part of it. Um, I think kind of the, the posh posh side of tennis is really interesting. Um, and I like that I've been able to kind of play with that and capitalize on that through my content and my, my outfits. Um, yeah, that's been fun. There's so many cool aspects of it. It's really just, it's a great sport and it's a great, life to be able to experience the the sport in that way. Yeah. Well, were you a tennis fan before you met Taylor? Oh, okay. didn't know a thing. <laughs> like and literally learning, learning as you go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you, you've traveled with him. You've tra- continued to travel with him recently, Australia. And it feels like you're there for such a long time. I That's something mm-hmm. that surprised me is I'm like, oh, Morgan's still in Australia. This, <laughs> this feels like so much time is passing. So tell us, you know, traveling with Taylor for a tournament, what that looks like, time length, where do you stay? Yeah, so for the most part, everything is booked really last minute. Like flights are usually like day before, day of type thing because wow. you're, you're moving from tournament to tournament. So you don't know when it's time to go until you lose the match. Yeah. Um, so I've had to, I'm very type A too. Like I want to plan. Like, so that's something that I've kind of had to, to, to deal with is getting used to that last minute change up, you know, plans changing, whatever. Um, I am really good at packing. I've gotten really good at that. I check bags usually, but I, I bring like, I bring a lot of stuff and I have a good packing system that I've detailed heavily on social media. So that makes it a little bit easier. Um, and then just in terms of being different places all the time. And like, it's unsettling, even going on like a vacation for five days, like you get home and you're like, Oh, like that was exhausting. Um, and so to be doing that again and again and again, I really have to figure out kind of a good routine and like figure out how to keep really strong mental health and really strong physical health, which has been definitely a learning process because my first two years on tour, I was not great about that. And I definitely suffered because of it. Yeah. Well, I imagine also being in the public eye can affect mental health. Um, How do you feel like 
the tennis community has responded to you and your content. I'm sure you've you're facing both ends of the spectrum here, really kind comments and really terrible comments. How do you deal with that? Yeah. Um, yeah. Some people in the tennis community, like hate me, hate me, hate me. They just think I'm the worst thing to ever happen to the sport, which is fine. Um, but then on the other side of it, I, I do have a very strong community in the tennis community. Like it, it definitely took time, but I also think because I was the first person to like offer that perspective of the tour. And it was something that, now I know people had been just like waiting for, and maybe they didn't even know that they like wanted that side of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I have a great, a great like community in the tennis community there. There's so many of them that are like so supportive of everything that I do. And like me working with the tournaments on like an official capacity was, that was a big deal for like a, a partner to do that. Um, and people are so supportive of it in a lot of ways. So yeah, it's been, it's great. They're great for the most part. Well, we're big fans of what you do. I remember last year at Wimbledon when you, you know, were basically hired where did you sign with the tour to do the fashion segment? Um, yeah, so it was with, with like Wimbledon, like the official whatever, which is actually separate from the ATP tour. So the grand slams are not part of the tour technically, which I okay. feel like a lot of people don't know. Um, it was with them and their like official production company. So yeah, it was great. It was great. I don't know if we're going to do it again this year, just because there's like, I don't know, we would have to figure out like a different angle for it, but we're, we're ta talking about it right now to figure out something for this year. So I'm excited. Well, we loved it. I think tennis is also different than maybe your average sporting event because people dress up. They look really nice and mm -hmm. you always look good. Like every single match. I, mean, I know, I know you get told this all the time, but you slay when it comes to fashion. At the match. Do you have a particular look that you've really loved? Oh, um, that's a good question. At Wimbledon, maybe, oh my gosh, this must've been two years ago, three years, no, two years ago. I did like a recreation of a Princess Diana outfit, which I really loved because I've always been a big fan of her and she loved tennis. She loved going to Wimbledon. So I did that for Wimbledon as kind of an ode to her. Right. Um, I really like like going to tournaments in Europe in the spring because I always wear really long, like super girly dresses, which I feel like is, that's what I feel the best and the most confident in is yeah. like super girly dresses and the puffy sleeves and that sort of thing. I wish I could wear that all day, every day, but I'm in Miami and people would look at me weird if I wore that today. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think those, but it's fun. Cause I get to dress so differently depending on what city I'm in and what tournament I'm in or yeah. at. <laughs> Not in. So yeah, it, it's, it's, it's really cool. It's fun to dress up. I've always been like a little, a little girly girl who loves to dress up. So I love it. And I think that's one of, you know, the angles that is new for the sport. And that's mm -hmm. why a lot of people love your page. Talk yeah. to me about the tournaments. Do you have a favorite? Do you have a least favorite? Ooh, so I would say favorite. I go back and forth between Australian Open and Wimbledon. Like yeah. last year, Wimbledon was my favorite just because I loved filming that series so much. It was just everything that I love doing. Yeah. Um, but I really love Australian Open because I love Australia. I have so many girlfriends in Australia. So the whole week we just 
party. Honestly, it's just like a big party. It's so fun. So fun. Honestly, you feel like you give Australian vibes. Yeah. I've gotten that a lot. I've gotten that a lot. Like, um, my Australian friends say that I have the same humor as Australians and the same kind of like wit that they do. So that's why maybe I get along with Australians so well. Um, least favorite turn. Did you ask me least favorite tournaments? Yeah. Least favorite. Um, I, I tend to not go to tournaments in the U S so there's a few leading up to U S open that, I skip out on, I usually spend two months of the summer in New York. I like sublet a apartment in Tribeca because all my college friends are in New York and I'm just like, I need a break from the tour. Yeah. I need some full time. So I've done that the last year. So I'll probably continue to do that this year. Um, just because I don't feel like I need to spend like 12 days in Atlanta. Type thing, yeah. So totally. Do you have a moment from your tournament history that sticks out to you is like, this was the most magical thing I've ever experienced. Oh, um, probably when Taylor won Indian Wells. Yeah. That was big. Like that was just, I cried. <laughs> like it was, it was such a big deal. It was, it's his home tournament. He was the first American to win it. Even like when a master's in so long yeah. and it was Rafa yeah. You know, it was just a, a dreamy moment. I think for both of us, that was probably the best moment of his career. Yeah. Well, what is it like to watch, you know, the person you love compete on such a intense competitive level day in, day out? Yeah. Well, I see a lot of losses. Yeah. I deal with a lot of losses because at, at tournaments, like everybody loses except one person right. week after week after week. There's so much loss in the sport yeah. and so much pain about the losses. Yeah. So that side of it is tough. Obviously Taylor's really good about dealing with it. That's something that his coaches have always said, like people on the tour have said is that he, he's so strong mentally, which is so important in tennis. That's like, it, that's like 70% of the game in tennis is, okay. is the mental strength. So he can move on th- from things pretty quickly. Um, you know, as I think some guys kind of get like upset and like shut down after, but he just wants me to cuddle him and he wants to be a big baby, which I appreciate as opposed to what the opposite could be. Um, but then when you get those big wins, it's just all the more special. Totally. Well, this episode, we're doing something about like love, hate, like, you know, we could just base a Valentine's Day episode around love, but I also feel like there's a lot to hate (laughs) in Mm. right now. So if I said to you, what is, you know, a thing or a few things that you love about being a tennis influencer, a tennis wag, I hate that term, but I don't mind it at all. You don't, I think it's like. It feels so juvenile to me. I'm like, I, I did this episode last week about like trying to find a new term and I just can't think of one that fits. Yeah, I, I think I've learned to just embrace it because I was like, you know what? People are going to call me it anyways. Yeah. And I don't want to have like every time that it's in the news headline, every time that, you know, people, whatever, like, oh, the ten- this tennis wag, whatever. I'm yeah. like, I don't want to constantly associate that with negativity. Oh, so really? from the start, I've always just, accepted it. I'm like, yep, I'm a wag. And then my mission has been to kind of change the connotations behind what that, what that uh, acronym is for. 
Okay. So tell us in your words, what is a WAG? It's a, a wife and girlfriend of a professional athlete. <laughs> That's all it is. Yeah. Like it, there, there's, I think the issue is that there's so much misogyny and just the fact of being a partner to a professional athlete that right. somehow that acronym has become negative, right? right? Like right. that's kind of a weird, a weird thing. So I've been, I've been working to, to combat that by just fully embracing it. I love it. Well, and I think you are the perfect example of why it shouldn't be negative. What do you love about being a wag? Um, oh God, so many things. I love, I love the travel. I love being, I love being with someone who's so driven and so successful. Like that's something that for me, I couldn't be with someone who didn't have that level of drive in their life. Cause I've always had a lot of drive to do, to do big things. Yeah. And you know, any, anytime you're with a professional athlete, like they have to, they have to be someone who works their absolute ass off. And so yeah. being with a partner who has those sort of character traits is really important to me. Um, I, I love the, the platform that it's given me. Like, I know I probably wouldn't have the platform that I have if I wasn't with, with a professional athlete right now. I don't think I would have even ever considered going into to social media that way. And like, I've capitalized off of it. And I, like, I'll, I'll be honest about that. He's supportive of it. It's made our lives work very, very well together. So, you know, it's so cool that I get to have this this career from it that I get to be creative and meet amazing people and work with, with entities like Wimbledon. Um, that's just super grateful for all of that. And I'm glad that I kind of decided to take the step towards that. Um, like I said, I love the fans. I love getting to see different sorts of fans all around the world. I love meeting fans. Um, especially it really wasn't until the last, like, six months year that I've really started to get like approached at tournaments yeah, quite a bit. Um, but meeting, meeting girls at tournaments who watch my YouTube and come up and say, the only reason I'm here is because I watch your YouTube. That's okay. really, really cool too. So I, I love that as well. It's so great. Okay. Yeah. What do you hate about being a wag? Um, not much to be honest. I mean, the, the online, negativity is not ideal. Like people make a lot of assumptions about me. I see a lot of stuff about how I'm unemployed because it's from like 50 year old dudes who don't understand what an influencer is or cannot fathom that people can make money off of TikTok, which yeah. is kind of hilarious to me. Um, God, yeah, no, I really can't think of anything. Like I said, like I, I really love the sport. I love the community. Um, I handle criticism pretty well and hate comments pretty well. Cause like at the end of the day for me, I'm like, it's just a hate comment. And it's not about anything that I, I actually do. It's just like perceptions about me or they see me for five seconds in the box and they have all these sorts of ideas of like who I am and what kind of person that I am. Um, and those sorts of, of comments and messages I can brush off pretty easily because I have a strong sense of self and I know it's just not true. Right. That's, so. really, that's really important, I think, in your space to have have that confidence to know that their opinion doesn't matter. Um, yeah. It's really hard to to yeah. be an influencer and take people's criticisms and perceptions of you hard. Like right. it's just a very difficult way to go about life. So you got to just let things go. 
Yeah. Okay. Let's like move away from tennis for a second mm. um, and into football because you were just at the Super Bowl. Tell yes. us, first of all, just how the experience was. I mean, the Super Bowl, the fact that you went on a, a brand trip, right? You were invited is huge. That's it's huge. huge. Yeah. Insane. Tell us about it. Um, so I actually, I was working with four different brands while I was there, which was kind of insane. I told my team maybe five months ago, like I would like to go to the Super Bowl. It looks super fun. You know, we have all this stuff going on with Taylor Swift and, um, I don't know. I was just like, I, I think this would be a cool experience. I haven't really ventured much into other sports with my content, but I kind of decided for this year that that's something that I want to do. And what better place to do that than the Super Bowl? So, um, I was working with the win hotel. Well, firstly, I do want to say too, like every influencer wants to go to Super Bowl. It's a big deal, but it's so expensive that there's not many brands that will, that will bring influencers out for it unless you're like a macro influencer. But I think because I kind of have this, this sports angle, Um, that kind of gave me a little bit more of an end to it. Um, but I was there with the Wynn hotel, which is just the most amazing resort there. And then Cadillac, the car company Celsius, the energy drink, which I've worked with for, they were the first brand to ever pay me actually. And then, uh, I worked with Louis Vuitton for, for game day. They dressed me for the game. So yeah, it was really cool. Amazing weekend. I'm still recovering. I, I think I'm still hungover, but it's fine. I was in Vegas. So yeah. <laughs> I'm about to post my, my YouTube vlog for, for the weekend right now too. So I can't wait. I can't wait to see. Check it out. Well, those are, yeah, uh, those are huge names, huge brands. And like you said, it's so expensive, especially this year. So to be sent and, you know, paid to do content, there, just absolutely so impressive. I hope you feel like you've made it because <laughs> you had any doubt that that solidifies it. Yeah, no, it was a big deal. You looked incredible all weekend. Yeah. I know that you had an experience that was not ideal. And I really want to mm-hmm. talk about it because we, we talk a lot about the women's kind of the female gaze in sports and it particularly mm-hmm. in male sports. And you experienced something that was difficult. So talk to us about that. Yeah. So, I mean, it started the second that we got there and I think it was, it was a mixture of a lot of things like Super Bowl drunk guys at football in general, plus the fact that it's Vegas. And I think there's just something about Vegas that, that people's morals and like, you know, normal, like social norms just kind of go away. So it was a bad combination of all of those things. Plus dudes that are like, I can afford a $20,000 ticket to the Super Bowl. Like I can do whatever I want kind of vibe like that. That's the kind of energy that I was picking up the whole weekend. Right. And so every time that we would go to dinner, every time that we would go to the club, it was just like constant, constant, like attention from guys, like just walking on the way to dinner. Um, We actually got to the point where we asked someone to like remove the extra chair from our table because guys would just come down every few minutes and like sit down at our dinner table with us and like start talking to us. And we're like, leave us alone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then, and then at the game it was happening as well. And it was, it was just like an unfortunate scenario because my friend and I were sitting in the aisle. So every single person that was walking up and down on the way, like to and from their seats would walk right past us. So it's like, 
drunk dudes like coming up the stairs and then they look up and they're like, it's <laughs> just dumb. Um, and yeah, I freaked out. I also like, it had been a long weekend already. I get pretty severe, like sensory overload. So all like all the drunk people plus the drunk guys. And it was super loud, which I expected because it's a super bowl, but it was just a lot. Yeah. And I just freaked out. I was like, I cannot deal with this anymore. Um, and yeah, the entire weekend was amazing. Truly one of the best weekends of my entire life, but it was very tainted by men being just pigs. Yeah. I'm so sorry that you had to experience that one. You wrote about one particular instance where a man used his child. Yeah, it was so bizarre. He was, um, he was walking up the stairs, this kid and he looks at us and I'm like, Oh God, here we go. And then he turns back to his son and he is like, Hey, my, my son wanted to say hi to you. Like say, Hey ladies, what? And we're like, dude, are you serious? So my friend and I, and we were like, we're not feeding into this at all. Like, I don't care that like it's a little kid, whatever. We just kind of look at him and we're like the fuck. And then his, his kid gets like beat red, super embarrassed. And he's like, wait, what? Yeah. Right. Like, and then he's like, wait, what, do, like, what, do, what are you talking about? Like, what are you doing? And just like, so confused. Like, why, why would we talk, dad, why would we talk to these random girls just sitting there, like trying to watch, like, like, that's like what I could just see wash across his face. And so then they keep walking. And then actually the, we were sitting around a bunch of 49ers fans. And I will say the people in direct vicinity of us were like, very nice. Like, very nice, respectful, great, great people. Um, and then right after that happened, the two guys sitting right in front of us, like turned around and was like, that was kind of gross. Wasn't it? We were like, yeah, that was super gross. And then the guy sitting right in front of me, like basically apologized on behalf of this really disrespectful father who would try to use his kid as kind of like a vehicle to, to talk to it. It was gross. Super. Just the whole thing was gross. Um, and in that moment, I was like, how do you think like little boys learn to, to talk to women? Like it's from seeing their icky dads do it. Yeah. Yeah. Gross. yeah, exactly. Well, and I think we talk a lot about being a woman in sports in whatever capacity that is like a fan or an influencer or an, a player or a coach. And you're consistently in the minority, right? Like most sports fans, especially NFL fans are men that's changing Mm -hmm. and I think like they're not maybe used to women especially you know like younger women being interested in their sport and coming and attending their sporting events and so what has your experience been like as a woman in sports up against a predominantly male fan base and how do you stay you know strong and confident within situations like this I'm sure it's not the first yeah, not the first. Um, like I said, I've been receiving a lot of criticism from the tennis community even before I I was doing social media at all. Like, so I've been dealing with it for four years, basically. Like I said, I have pretty thick skin. Like I'm a very tough cookie, so I don't really let things like that get to me. And I I think I can kind of be a voice for something that a lot of women have experienced. And that was that was what was quite shocking to me about those stories is like, I've, I'm always just very transparent online about like the good, the bad, like everything that's going on with me, like on YouTube and Instagram. Um, and that's just always how I've, how I've gone about my platforms and stuff. So when I shared this, I was kind of on the fence about it because 
I was like, oh, it's kind of a tough topic. Like, do I, do I really want to like dive into that right now? Um, and I, you know, I knew I was sharing it with my audience. I wasn't expecting it to kind of get picked up by, by press in the way that it did. And I guess there was like a viral tweet about it. Um, and the amount of women who had the same experiences, like I got messages from women that are like, I haven't been to a, a NFL game in six years because I got sexually harassed in front of my whole family and like just these terrible, terrible stories about it. Um, and I think with, you know, of course I've dealt with it, but I think with the, the platform, that I have in my position, like, I don't know if I would consider myself like a woman in sport, but like a woman adjacent to sports for sure. Um, it's important for me to, to talk about and bring those issues about, I will say, I don't regret sharing my experience. Like that, that was my reality of what happened, but I, I do think it's unfortunate that like I was having this big moment for my career of like getting paid so much money to go to the Super Bowl and yeah. work with these amazing brands. And all of that has been overshadowed by like, I got harassed at the game, which, yeah. do, which I is like newsworthy, but I'm also like, is this newsworthy? Because I'm pretty sure every woman who was attending that game faced the same experience. Yeah. So I don't know if it's that newsworthy, you know what I mean? Right. Um, so that, that kind of, it sucks that I will always associate the Super Bowl, like this experience now with all this kind of like negativity in a way. Um, yeah. And guys telling me I'm a liar and show video evidence. I'm like, if you really think that like a woman getting harassed at a football game is so beyond imaginable, like you need a effing reality check, dude. Right. Uh, I'm sorry that you've been dealing with that this week, but I certainly hope that the Super Bowl is not that doesn't define your Super Bowl experience because it was such a huge career move for you. But also there's lots of Super Bowls to come every year. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I understand why people get sweets now and try to get a little more private. So that'll probably be a a goal for coming years for sure. But yeah, I definitely want to go back and next year it's in new Orleans, which is literally my favorite city in the U S so I will plan to attend that. Well, what can we expect coming up from you in the next few months? I know we have some big tournaments coming up and you always just are so good at everything you do. So tell us what we can expect. Um, Yeah, we've got some fun tennis tournaments right now. We're doing Mexico and then we have Indian Wells. Um, I'm doing something pretty big at Indian Wells this year, which I'm really excited about. I, I feel like so I hate when people are like, I can't talk about it, but like, I actually can't talk about it yet. Um, and then I'm doing some things that are outside of tennis in the next couple of months, which I also can't talk about, but we'll be, I think that like, I, I think my audience will love it. Um, and it's just right, right in the same alley of like everything else that I've been doing. Um, continuing on YouTube, yeah, I don't know. I'm excited. Like, <laughs> just I'm just going with the flow. <laughs> well, we're so excited for you. Tell us where any of our followers or listeners can find you on all your platforms. Yeah. So Morgan Riddle, my handle is M O O R R G S, which I chose when I was 14 years old. And after you get verified, you cannot change. So I'm obsessed with it. By the way, 
Are you? Obsessed. When my friends and I like talk about you, which we do frequently because we love everything you do. We like Morgs. Like we don't even say Morgan Riddle. Oh yeah. Everyone, like when people come up to me at tournaments and stuff, like it's Morgs, which is fine. Like when I was growing up and when I was in high school, everyone called me that. So now I just roll with it. Um, Yeah. Morgs. And then I'm on YouTube, Morgan Riddle on YouTube. Well, keep doing what you're doing it sounds like you have a really big year coming up and we're cheering you on and can't wait to see everything that you do thank you that's gonna do it for today thank you for being here one fun thing that happened this past week is that we hit 100,000 followers on instagram and behind all of that is a lot of hard work And I just am so happy to be doing this. So to you, I say thank you so much for being here. If you like what you hear on the Sportsish podcast, do us a favor and click that five stars button or leave a review. I have such big plans for the podcast and every little review helps. Happy Valentine's Day, belated, happy end of the NFL season. A part of me feels so sad to see it end, but we have so many good things to look forward to, namely the Olympics. We're going to have some Olympic guests on the pod. Anyways, I'm rambling. Thank you for being here. Have a great weekend.